0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Probably nobody listening today, Turgoski. Oh, they're listening
1: to polka music, not Bronco's they're all, bravado.
0: They're all at Oktoberfest. We could do. We could talk about whatever we want. Not that we <laughs> wouldn't any other day.
1: What can we say today?
0: We could say the bosses. It's kind of like when the boss isn't at work. Because I know all the bosses today are down at Oktoberfest. They ain't paying any attention to what I'm doing today. <laughs> 608-785-7914. Oh, a couple middle-of-the-day tax. I'll have to look at those here in a little bit. Um, a couple of things on the docket.
1: I'm sure they were text demanding that Dan Bongino unblocks me on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can get in the and maybe I should just properly introduce you. I take for granted that you're here every Friday and people would understand that. but UW be Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tragoski is in here. And if you really if you want to break down some po- political issues that you're having, whether you hear them nationally, locally, Uh, uh, statewide Uh, Madison's always kind of something interesting going on in Madison. Uh, he will be very in tune to answering your question 608 785 7914. That's probably the best job I've ever done in telling people that was fantastic. No, it's it's only taken like a year. Um, so (laughs) there's there's a there's one really funny story about our conservative leaning former retired Supreme Court judge who's running a an election investigation in the t- into the 2020 election, which was t- at least two elections ago, if not more, and uh, Michael Gabelman's his name, and we'll just say at this point because I want to do a little tease. At this point, Michael Gableman appears to be working out of a lip- liposuction clinic. <laughs> According to official statements, right, official documents. Yeah.
1: So he handed down several subpoenas today. This was expected that Mike Gableman would do this, and I would say subpoenas
0: riddled with errors. With errors, because if one, this is like uh Lauren Lauren, Bober, La, Lauren yeah Lauren Bolber, yeah, the Colorado congresswoman, or she's not a senator, right? She's a yeah, Congress, House member, yeah. House member, uh, officially drafting documents to impeach Joe Biden. I mean, impeach Joe Biden, she forgot the P in the big, well, like, again, it was just like the, the, I don't know. Was that just her meme or was that officially that goes to wherever you send articles of impeachment, but it just forgot the P.
1: I think she meant to say, I'm each Biden.
0: I'm each Biden. Fair enough. It's a, it's a Joe Biden will probably run on that yeah. in 2024. I'm each Biden. <laughs> Make America great again for Donald Trump. And I'm each Biden for, for Joe Uh so, so there's the Gableman thing. Ron Johnson uh, made 400 some 1000 dollars in 2017 and, and paid uh, like $2,100 in taxes that year. There's that. Uh, there's the People's Map Commission has submitted three versions of maps of each assembly, uh, Senate, and congressional districts. Right. And we can get into that a little bit. And also, if we want to talk about uh, this, this tweet I saw today, as i cough and uh, just just uh, j- if anyone wants to just text in how long it would be for, for uh, their their answer to this question you're you're at the doctor's office this always happens first this you, has
1: happened to me by the first way
0: first you sit in the waiting room and then finally the nurse comes out and you know mr Trigoski or anthony uh, into the waiting room calling out and you're like woo and then you go but you don't actually go woo because you know you're going into the little room with the weird table and the chair and then the doctor's nicer chair. And then you, you don't sit on the weird table because you're not ready to be examined. So you sit in the chair kind of sheepishly because you know you're getting on that table. And then you wait in that little waiting room uncomfortably for, and the question is, how long do you consider waiting in the waiting room before you pop your head out the door and go, hello, is anybody here to see me? Hello? Because the tweet I have is seven hours. This person would wait in that little waiting room (laughs) at the doctor's office waiting for the doctor or at least the nurse to come do your blood pressure for seven hours. You said, I mean, we've all gone through this, but how long did you have to wait?
1: This has happened to me, and I'm apparently a lot less patient than this person because I think it was about 30 minutes for me.
0: 30 minutes. Uh, Yeah, 30 minutes seems like a... Yeah, I would. I would probably start getting nervous at thirty minutes. Not nervous, but like maybe a little bit, just mad, a little bit perturbed, yeah. or or maybe they forgot about me. That's what I thought.
1: I thought they had forgotten that I was there. And did they? And no, no, no. he was a very important specialist. So
0: oh you know, yes. Do you think he just had to make you wait because of his, his status? just to, like just status?
1: To, just to impress me with his stature yeah. in the medical field?
0: Yeah. It's, it's always funny, too, because I, I remember, though, when I had some, I was going to the doctor for some foot thing, and I had to go to another doc I'm like, hey, do you want me to send you or give you permission or whatever? Like, I have my, my records. Do you want to check these out? And he's like, no, I'll look at them before you come in. And you know they're cramming. These doctors are just cramming, right? Oh, right. oh Tregossi's coming in. I got to look at Rick's coming in. I got to look at his ankle x-rays quick to see what's going on. And, and like, there's, there's no studying here. So I'm, I'm really ripping on doctors. I don't think I should be, but <laughs> they're they're totally cramming right before the test. And then they come in and check you out. And it's, you know, unless you see for the first time, I think after you see somebody a couple of different times and they, they, they get to know you a little bit, but right. that first time is total cram job. Right. Uh, and you should know something about cramming because uh, yeah, obviously you're a professor and, do you uh, do you do you get that a lot? Do you feel like do you have tests that where, where kids would have to where students would have to cram or are you doing like you know the blue book test?
1: Well, here's the thing, Rick. I gave the first in-person exam yesterday and Wednesday, the first time I've done that in 18 months <laughs> because oh, wow. the last time I gave an in-person exam was right before it hit the fan in March of 2020. Yeah. So I was standing there. Watching the students take the exam, and I'm like, this is really weird, or just, it feels weird ah. to be just, like, sitting, to just standing here, watching students write. Like, this is a totally new, well, it felt like I was doing it for the first time, even though I had done it a million times prior to the pandemic.
0: But when they're taking the exam and you say write, are they typing? Well, are they um, on a laptop?
1: my advanced students they can type their answers my uh uh, my intro level of students i give them like part multiple choice where they just fill in the bubbles.
0: now are you this jerk teacher that does a b c d e all the above no what what would be yeah e all the above f none of the above g both a and c what is it what comes after G H? You know, like I do none of those none questions, of those. Rick. Oh. None whatsoever. But you just said you have multiple choice. But Did like I hear not you wrong. The all of the above. Or no, you stop above. A B C and D. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there is an answer. It's never two of the answers or all There's the answers. There's
1: one answer to the
0: question. Okay, well that's a little bit better because man, <laughs> I had a professor that put all of them. Like every option was an option. You know, it's like a W is both A and B except for you know like. anyway. <laughs> All right, I gotta get we we, uh, we we made Brad come back from October Festing. Uh, I don't know how how many beers he had, but he's gonna do the news. We'll see how he does. No, I'm just kidding. He he didn't have any beers, but well, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the Talk and Tax line. to UW Lacrosse political scientist Dr. Anthony Trogowski in here. We're going scientist route now, Trogowski, because we're gonna talk <laughs> some political science. Um, when we, and I, I like to do this every once in a while is just give you, make you, make you kind of explain this when you, when you're looking at some of this stuff, when we're talking about some of these issues in politics as a political science professor, can you explain like the angle that you take as like you would take as a political scientist into, into these, this, these discussions?
1: Yeah. So I would want to understand the incentives of the people involved in the process, I would want to understand the rules involved in the process, and I would want to understand just generally how the process is structured. Okay, let's
0: name a process. Redistricting. Redistricting, okay. So I
1: would want to understand the incentives of the people, the goals of the people who are involved with redistricting, the rules surrounding redistricting, and just how that process plays out.
0: All right, because that versus... Just somebody that's teaching politics, civics. Someone that man, man, mandates uh, civics uh, because they're just looking at rules and who's doing, who gets to do what. You're you're looking, you're taking it one step further.
1: Yeah. So uh, another example, like with this situation in Congress, I'm thinking about well, what are the incentives, the motivations, the goals of the members of Congress involved in the bipartisan infrastructure package or the reconciliation deal? What are the rules of Congress, the rules of the Senate that are involved, and and what kind of processes are being used to reach an agreement, or as the case may be, to not actually not reach an agreement?
0: What about the optics of the budget, the infrastructure budget? Uh, do you do you take into consideration the optics? So now, like you almost have to work social media and, and media right into your your game plan here because the optics of the 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 infrastructure bill is what I'm starting to see a lot more of, and it's good that we get this out there, is it's $3.5 trillion. Oh my God, it's so expensive. Nobody ever says it's $3.5 trillion over 10 years. Let's compare that to the Pentagon's budget, which is $750 billion a year, or... $7.5 $7.5 trillion over 10 years. We never, when we pass the Pentagon budget, we never talk about how lo- how lo- uh, large it is over a decade because we never know because they, all, they keep increasing it every year. <laughs> and
1: part of this, Rick, was Bernie Sanders doing because he's the chair of the powerful budget committee in the Senate. And he wanted to come out with an opening bid that was so eye-popping and so large that you could still bargain it down quite a way and it would be a huge win for him nonetheless so he comes out with this idea of three point five trillion dollars and people are like "Whoa, that's an enormous amount of money bernie's idea is that you can bargain that down to say two point five trillion two trillion and it still is a big win for him mm-hmm. It still gets a lot of his goals accomplished but rick as you pointed out it's over 10 years. It's not just in one year. So how we talk about budgets can really lead to misleading impressions. Are we talking about like a decade? Are we talking about two years as we do in Wisconsin? We do a two-year budget cycle. Are we talking about one year? That completely can distort people's understandings.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense to do this in 10-year fashions because... Nobody's ever in power for 10 years.
1: And Rick, that's where my analysis of the rules comes in. Because under the Senate rules, the sort of Byzantine, archaic rules of the Senate, they can only do 10 years. They can't do anything beyond 10 years.
0: Right. And I don't think they should ever do anything that long anyway. When we pass the, wait, what about the tax cuts in 2017? Because they made those permanent for corporations and they only last 10 years For people like me and you. So, and, and, you know, the, and if we want to get into uh, the, by the way, people making way more money than us are taxed at a lower rate, just throwing that (laughs) in there. But well, how did that work then? That's way over 10 years. That's forever. Yeah, so... They changed the rules there, archaic Senate rules. We're
1: just going to ar- do those. Archaic is the best word to describe the Senate rules. And there are certain things that you can change on a more permanent basis. A lot has to only be done over 10 years when you're dealing with this budget reconciliation procedure. And now budget reconciliation is just kind of like the new normal because there are not even close to 10, 10 Republicans who would be willing to sign on to this reconciliation deal. In fact, I think the number is going to be approximately zero Republicans who vote for the reconciliation deal. So just like there were no Democrats who voted for the Trump tax cuts. It's just the new normal in the budget Senate.
0: Rec- reconciliation. What is, uh, I, I don't know yeah. what that. What so, is that So
1: it, it's an exception to the 60 vote rule. Like oh, normally yeah. you need 60 votes to do like anything in the Senate but under this weird special procedure called budget reconciliation you can occasionally that's do right. certain things that only require 50 votes the infrastructure package that was passed did have over 60 votes so that's just like the normal senate routine right but this other stuff that is being debated is like a 50 vote reconciliation kind of thing and believe me like my, i'm, I'm going to spend like an entire class period in my legislative process class boring my students with like the details of these crazy
0: rules. I think it's all about examples. I think if you work examples in especially real time examples, which is great for you because you could do that right now as we go through the process. um, Have you noticed with your students maybe over the last, maybe since Trump took over, maybe since Bernie started talking when I kind of came in, actually Bernie started talking and I started sitting in the wisdom studio with Mitch. um, But, have you, have you noticed like an increase in your students' awareness or wanting to learn about politics, about what's going on? I
1: think we have seen more desire among students to learn about what's going on. I think how I would put it, Rick, is we've seen an increase in curiosity about politics. Unfortunately, students are coming to us at UWL without a lot of prior coursework in American government, in civics. Mm-hmm. So... Many times we have to kind of start from square one. They definitely do come in with that curiosity, though, which is just great to see.
0: So, are you saying that when Republicans issued the measure and passed it in the assembly to make civics required, uh, you agree with that?
1: I, I, w- I would not be opposed to that. Right? No.
0: no. The, the opposition, I think, was, uh, and me and William Garcia were, are going to talk about this Monday. Is the opposi- opposition is it's already being taught in public schools i don't think it's being taught in private schools maybe as much it's not required anyway um do they need more civics because when we've talked about this in the past you you say wisconsin's government is so messed up that traditional civics don't apply to what's being (laughs) what's happening now maybe and maybe on maybe in in dc or is that is that kind of a false
1: statement no it is funny rick because you have to distinguish between the American government that you read about in high school textbooks, and the American government as it actually exists and operates, right? There's the American government in theory. There's the Wisconsin government in theory, and then there's those governments in practice. Yeah. And a big part of like what we have to do in the classroom is sort of like un- basically kind of like undo the textbook knowledge that maybe reflects how we might well, want there's, the there's... government to
0: work, but doesn't right there's civics but then you also have to add, apply to all right this is how it's supposed to work but the this party or that party is trying to manipulate whatever it is they're trying to do right. to to get whatever the, their agenda is and they're not actually going by the traditional norms something like yeah, that
1: yeah like these norms and these rules can be easily changed by the political parties to accomplish their goals and that's really something that we try to get students to understand
0: yeah, there's all kinds of traditional government, and then there's all kinds of like footnotes in the textbook because yeah. then you got to go to the bottom in traditional government, except in the occasion of the you know the Senate rules with budget reconciliation when the yep. when Republicans want to pass or Democrats want to pass, ah, it just gets so confusing. Um, all right, before we we, we want to take a break, we want to come back I want to talk about Michael Gaberman, the Supreme Court judge. Former Supreme Court Judge, uh, who's working out of a liposuction office to to uh, investigate the 2020 election, which is almost two years ago now, and Ron Johnson's taxes, maybe the redistricting thing. But Eric from Sparta's been waiting on hold. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air.
2: I must ask you, uh, either you, Mister Chagoski, or Rick Holman, ever spent a day of your life in the armed forces at all? One day.
0: Yeah, one day. Yeah, I did one day. I mean, my whole childhood was made up of. The armed forces? No, Eric, I, we're not. We're not in the armed forces. Um, We're not veterans in here. Sorry, sorry. You're better than us. Um, all right, got to take a break. Brad, gonna do the news. Think he's got his. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's in. What is it called? The 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 get up. Leah, what are what are German? What are the Oktoberfest people wearing? He he Lederhosen. was
1: not in the Oktoberfest garb.
0: Un- unbelievable, Brad. Um, he'll still do the news. Scott's comment coming up first. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Buck and Bronco's Lacrosse Talk PM. What is it called? Bro- Bronco's Bravado. Trig- the Tchaikovsky's theme song. I don't like it. It's going to get old for me, this this song. Well, well Stone but it's Temple your song. Pilots is getting old for me, right? Stone Temple Pilots never gets old. That's <laughs> blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Yeah, I hear you. Maybe. Uh, I could do Dave Matthews. I can only remember an, like seven songs and before I just, <laughs> I have to go to, I have to find my laptop. Go to that folder with the songs that I... And then go to the subfolder with the songs that I really like that I want to listen to every day of the week. That's that's how that works. Um, number three is calling in. Let's, let's get to number three before we dive into some of this stuff. Number three, go ahead. You're on the air.
2: I was uh, wondering if you could tell me it's 536.
0: What's the weather? What's the weather? Where are you right now?
2: I'm at home.
0: Well, is there a window? I don't have yeah. a... I don't have a window, so can we see the sun?
2: Oh yeah, the sun's out.
0: Okay, um, I'm guessing uh, sunny and uh, between sixty and seventy-five degrees right now.
2: Okay, uh, oh. it's uh, eighty-four out.
0: Oh, I was way off. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but well,
2: but you uh, did a good job this morning. I want you to know that. Why
0: are, why are you asking me if the what the weather is when you clearly have a thermometer?
2: Well, because you're a weatherman, man. I like to talk to a real weatherman once in a while. I mean,
0: I did 18 weathers today already, so this I is know number you 19.
2: Must been, you must have went home at noon and exhausted.
0: I, I, went, I went right to bed.
2: <laughs> anyway, can I ask a question, seeing you got the professor there?
0: Absolutely, that's why he's here. No, Yeah, take advantage.
2: Well, I was wondering, some of me and my old crony friends were talking the other day when we were having a cup of coffee If uh, Norwegian cruise lines would happen to bring about two loads of Norwegians over here, if Coconut Joe would let them in the country.
0: Okay, yeah, like an immigration question you got.
2: Yeah, immigration. You took the very words out of my mouth.
0: All right, yeah. Um, we we don't we don't do a whole lot with the Canadian border either. So I guess uh, you know if we had a problem of flooding immigration on the northern border, the political science professor here would would say that this wouldn't be a, a, a topic that uh somebody would latch on to right it wouldn't make headlines no nah, if, if, thanks for the call number three if Norwe, if a boatload of norwegians came over and wanted to uh a- asylum right ask for asylum i don't yeah. know what's the term well Something... like as
1: refugees
0: yeah yeah i mean it's kind of a funny but <laughs> but there are there are canadians that are living here illegally but sure. we never talk about them yeah, and I
1: think to number three's point, it's it's all about the vetting and the information that you have on the people who are coming. And I was on a panel on Wednesday evening at Viterbo where we had Lieutenant Colonel Eric Archer from UWL who had served twice in Afghanistan telling really moving stories about some of his interactions with the people of Afghanistan and talking about the people who have come to Fort McCoy and how in most cases we know quite a bit about the people who are at fort mccoy because they've worked for the u s government they've had interactions with the u s government we have information on them and and so i think that there is an idea out there that we sort of just don't really know much about the people who are at fort mccoy when in fact a, a lot is known about the people who are at fort mccoy so I mean, it's one thing for people to just be sort of crossing the border, and we don't know anything about them. Is another thing for us to have a fair bit of knowledge
0: about who exactly well, these folks are. There's about twelve thousand seven yeah. eight hundred people there, but they all couldn't have worked for the government. Well, them and their families. I mean, how many people from from there do you think were working for? Did you learn any of that? Yeah, yeah. So
1: there was a State Department official there who said the vast majority of the people at Fort McCoy had some relationship with the U.S. government in okay. some way, shape, or form. Whether,
0: and, and I'm guessing, like, let's say you're an Afghan refugee. You worked for us as an interpreter, and you have a wife and five kids. So, And,
1: and that's why the number is inflated, yeah. right? Because people are bringing their families over. Yep. And so you have a lot of people who you know like you said rick were interpreters or they had some type of association with the u.s government they're known by the u.s government their family comes over their family members Well, are and it's bedded. probably
0: more than just wife and kids it's probably wife uncle sister bro, you know what i mean it's probably like extended family too as well right because otherwise if because you got to get everyone out of there that's otherwise they'll hunt you down maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it works over there exactly, so I don't like to talk a whole lot about it. But uh, the Norwegians coming over on a boat, we would probably we would probably be able to vet them pretty well.
1: Hey, I'd want to join on that Norwegian cruise line. Sounds like fun.
0: I mean, we're putting up a transient dock. I don't know if it's literally called a transient dock. We already have one transient dock, but we're putting up another one for the big cruise ship. So, you know, if the Vikings come over. Let's Norwegians, talk- were they Vikings too? I don't know. <laughs> just making just wild accusations about about people um all right let's get into we got to get into some of this stuff because it's too funny this michael Galeman story is too funny so first uh, Michael gave him a setup again. He's a former retired judge. He's, you know, said the tr- the election. What they had? Did he say the election was stolen from Joe, from from Donald Trump? Something for uh, that matter.
1: Imply that? Yeah. At a, at a, he's at entertained some kind of, that theory.
0: Yeah. So of course he's put in charge of an election to look into, or in char- yeah, in charge of investigating an election into the 2020 Donald Trump Joe Biden uh, brouhaha. But okay, two things happened. Kind of out of the ordinary with his official, in in an official capacity where he screwed up, right?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that happened was Michael Gableman sent emails to a variety of election clerks telling them to preserve documents and just be ready to respond to his requests. It came from this random Gmail account and was flagged by many elections clerks as like a security risk. Yeah, we
0: talked to the La Crosse County clerk. Nikki, uh, Ginny Dengmeier? Jenny Dankmire, Jenny Dankmire, not Nikki else. Uh, Jenny Dankmire about that. And she, you know, she wasn't, it, it ended up in her junk folder. She said, "Yeah, it likely did because she didn't get it in her regular inbox and she wasn't going to open it anyway, because of all the security risks.
1: And then today we actually do get the first subpoenas as part of this investigation, but there are some mistakes on those subpoenas. Most notably a subpoena that is sent to Milwaukee Tells them, please preserve and be ready to give us documents related to the Green Bay election. So they were sending, like, the version of the subpoena for Green Bay to, like...
0: Did it literally say Green Bay, though? The
1: city of Green Bay.
0: Oh, do they want just the city of Green Bay? They don't want... uh, What county is it? It's a... No, I don't remember what because Green Bay isn't a county. It's not Green Bay County. It's they wanted the information Manitow- about or, like
1: the election as it was conducted by the city
0: officials. Oh, okay. So they wanted just literally just Green Bay. We're really just they. Yeah. It's their fault that Joe Biden won. It's right. Green Bay's fault. But they didn't. They didn't change. So they probably copy pasted everything but the word Milwaukee to Green Bay.
1: Yeah, and then uh, in addition, the uh, Gableman tells the elections officials from these people who he sends subpoenas to uh, that they need to meet with him at an office in Brookfield that, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, bills itself as a flexible workspace. The suite number he provided is the same one listed as belonging to a couples therapist and a liposuction clinic. So you've got the elections investigation a couples therapist and a liposuction clinic and Rick my reaction was if you go into the wrong room in that suite you could get really confused
0: you might you know you might end up with a trimmer body yeah. you, you know you're going to get your investigation complete and you're going to look a little bit better
1: and work out some problems with your spouse
0: i guess yeah what was a couples therapy couples too therapy. so maybe yeah. maybe you go in there with gableman yeah. and just work it out a Demo- maybe the democrats submit their subpoenas Uh, These these the the clerks and then, you know, they probably are a little pissed at Gableman for having to do this again. You need someone to talk
1: it over with. Yeah. So couples
0: therapy is a perfect thing. And then, you know, these people, Gableman included, probably a little stressed out, maybe doing some stress eating over the last. How many how many months has it been since the 2020 election? Like uh, 23 months? Is it no not? Is it two years? Yeah, two years. Well, I mean, we're we're next month will be November. November, so. yeah, yeah. So twenty three so. months you've been stress eating for twenty three months, worried about whether or not they're going to catch you with all these illegal votes for D- Joe Biden, and you you probably put on 20, 30 pounds over a a pandemic and B you know all the illegal uh, Joe Biden votes that you've been hiding in your trunk, and you're gonna need liposuction. Gableman's working right out of an office with a liposuction expert and you can lose weight get your couple's therapy and submit your subpoena.
1: It's sort of like a combination gas station, Hardees, you know, you can get Hardees and fill up the gas tank in the same spot.
0: Right. Or shampoo, conditioner, body wash, yeah. wiper fluid, motor <laughs> oil, all in one bottle. It works everything works right out of the same bottle. So that's that story number 1. This is what this is what is running our investigation in Wisconsin. And looking into the Biden Trump election, just very professional. Everything done to the you know highest of quality. Great job, everybody there. Uh, let's move on. Just Ron Johnson taxes. This is kind of an easy, quick story. Ron Johnson made about four hundred grand in twenty seventeen. His taxes come out. He paid about twenty one hundred dollars in taxes in twenty seventeen. I'm not even going to pretend to to know about taxes. But in my head, uh, if he didn't do anything wrong, if Ron Johnson didn't do anything wrong, in 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 paying his taxes in 2017, good for him. He managed to you pay less taxes than I did, despite making like 20 times more money than me.
1: Yeah, this is one of those things that, someone, ten, ten that came right? up in some opposition research that I'm sure the Democrats were doing. And this always tends to be fodder for campaigns when you find out that someone played... Like a really low percentage of their income in taxes, that does tend to come up in campaigns. And so I'm not surprised that this is coming up, especially because Ron Johnson had paid significantly more in taxes in the years prior. And then in 2017, like you said, Rick, he paid $2,105 in state income taxes.
0: You think maybe he just did the discount double check <laughs> for 2017 H and R Block, and then he submitted his sixteen and fifteen taxes, and H and R Block was like, "Is it H and R? No, discount. Double check." He must state. have got. I did a State Farm thing there. Not hey. there is a there is a double. No, that is no. There is a double check. H and R Block does this double check. I I confused Aaron Rodgers. He got
1: the deluxe version of TurboTax to get his yeah. amount down to that.
0: Well, and maybe he paid in to too much taxes the two years prior. And then the third year, they just like if they balanced it out, right? Like you can, I don't know. I don't know how taxes work. The problem with all this is he makes 400 grand a year. How, how, okay, that's good for you. But uh, he can afford to pay somebody to do his, to, to find all the angles to pay as least amount of taxes as possible when people like you and I are just trying to get the taxes done legitimately. And so that I don't have to stress about him anymore. I'm still waiting for Paul Ryan's. Uh, postcard taxes where we just check a couple of boxes
1: and rick we've gone through this already with two of the democratic candidates for senate sarah gableman who as we've talked about sarah gableman and her husband are very wealthy but with a low income and we tax gableman uh sorry uh, sarah
0: Gable. i was like is that the wife of michael sarah
1: godlewski. godlewski oh my yes. gosh there we go sarah godlewski and and uh her husband they're they're wealthy but relatively low income we tax income and so they had a low amount of taxes and then mandela Barnes didn't pay any taxes yeah uh, because he wasn't working while he was running for lieutenant governor so this tends to be pretty low-hanging fruit in campaigns to just look up how much people paid in taxes and then try to make that into a campaign issue
0: all right triple tom's calling in triple tom you're on the air go ahead
2: First, I will mention that we really don't know anything other than how much uh, taxes Ron Johnson paid. So you guys are kind of saying, well, he probably did something illegal or whatever. No, so we didn't really say that. that until we, we didn't say that. We didn't say piece,
0: Okay, so you don't want to talk. All right. <laughs> thanks, thanks for not having a conversation. Didn't say that at all pretty much just said that Ron Johnson probably paid a lot of taxes the two years prior, and then it evened out in the third year. Or he figured out a way, legitimately, I just said hey, legitimately. I said the
1: premium version of TurboTax. Yeah, the premium <laughs> yeah. version.
0: So, Triple Time, listen to the show a little bit, man. And, you and, just got to pay attention. And, Rick, just like it sounded
1: funny that Mandela Barnes hadn't paid any taxes, it, it was on the up and up. I mean, he didn't break any laws. And, you know, I, I haven't looked into this, but... It's entirely possible that Ron Johnson did all of this on the up and up, but this is t-
0: totally possible. I had Brett Knutson, who's running for Congress for Ron signed Ron kind seat in here yesterday. And so I've, I've tried to talk to him. Hey, do you want to come in? What day do you want? It was really hard for him to come in studio and talk because he has a job and he's trying to run for Congress. And, and so that those two things don't. Exactly balance out, especially in a congressional district where Stevens Point's two and a half hours away. Eau Claire's like an hour and 45 minutes away. If you wanted to get signatures or knock on doors, pretty hard to do in these huge districts. You almost have to quit your job to do it full time. This dude, Brett, was having a hard time just getting in here and and talking. Yeah, and that's why you
1: tend to see people of certain incomes or certain professions being more likely to run for office than others like if you're if you're working stiff like brett then how do you take the time to run a serious campaign for congress so it really does narrow the types of people who can run for office due to that a practical reality of having to basically campaign more than full time
0: yeah, I really should have asked Brett if he he would just quit his job and make it. He's a wife and and kids. If he would have just made his wife work. Hey, honey, you're start, you're going to put in fifty hours a week. I'm going to run for Congress. Get to it, woman. <laughs> uh, Northside Kent's on the air. Northside coming out of uh, calling from the Burger King on the Northside, the defunct Burger King, where he is the unofficial and official mayor. Go ahead, Kent. I
2: right. Hey, I identify as the mayor of the north side, therefore I am. Hey, doctor, nice talking to you, man. Hey, Ken. Hey, I'm just thinking, you know, with this infrastructure bill, then it was the physical infrastructure bill, then the human infrastructure bill, then I drive down 4th Street in all these potholes. I'll guarantee you, doc, four years from now I'll be driving down 4th Street and the potholes be four times bigger than where does all this money go? They don't put it in the, like, streets, roads. And then it turns out they're giving it to, uh, I don't know, free this and free that for people coming over the southern border from 80. And,
0: you know. All, right. All right. Thanks, Thanks Kent. Um, so Kent wants infrastructure to be about literally the roads, fix the roads.
1: Well, that's why the infrastructure package got support from a number of Republicans in the Senate in addition to a unanimous vote among the Democrats. It's why... This tends to be like we talked about, sort of low hanging
0: fruit. Did Donald be- Trump pass an infrastructure bill? I don't remember. I remember Tim toting it mean, once in a while. I mean, not just
1: not just like a straight up infrastructure bill. I mean, there would be sort of provisions built into like budgets that he signed mm-hmm. but what this does is it basically like adds additional money on top of what is already being spent mm-hmm. on infrastructure but no, I mean look what, what Kent is saying is is true I mean like the reason why Biden chose was lacrosse La whatever you think of Joe Biden the strategy here was because we care deeply about infrastructure
0: it messes up our commute Joe Biden's on the wisdom Facebook page notices that with every story all the comments are fix the roads All right. Welcome back to La Talk PM. I'm just going to wrap up here with UW La Crosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Uh we did, not, we did not get a everyone's October festing, but the idea that if you get pulled into the doctor's office after the waiting room, the little room after that where you wait, how long would you wait? Your, your time is 30 minutes. I'm at half an hour. Yeah, I would say I'd probably after a half an hour, after one one TV show with some commercials, <laughs> I would be like, "Yeah, what's going They're on?" Half Why? of
1: Price is Right.
0: Yeah, other people are saying seven hours. Somebody said seven hours. I'm poking my head out sheepishly. Hello, is anybody? <laughs> you know, it's like nine. It's like nine o'clock at night. And everybody's gone home. <laughs> you're you're like still the floors. <laughs> you're still waiting in the waiting room, uh, pockets full of uh, maybe maybe some free gloves. Uh, Some free uh, Q-tips, everything you can. Yeah, just just swipe as much as you can. Yeah, everything you could stuff in your pocket. Um, We didn't really get to redistricting with the Evers People's Commission proposals because it's too boring to talk about on a Friday. I'll have to, you know, we'll have to say we'll have to just bring you in during the middle of the week to talk about redistricting because it's just too boring. Yeah. The.
1: The new maps from Tony Evers came out today. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to that process. It's just the beginning.
0: We did try to draw the maps uh, just on Microsoft Paint before the show. (laughs) And I had all eight districts just grab a little bit of Madison or a little bit of Milwaukee. Um, All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.